2: It's Jim Kramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action.
1: Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Pearl Quintanilla with Jim Kramer and David Faber. Future's pretty steady. NASDAQ, though, remains on track. For a fifth week down, something we've not seen in about nine years, markets wrestling with Bitcoin volatility, retail earnings, and another post-COVID low in jobless claims. Our roadmap begins with Wall Street's roller coaster. The Nasdaq is on track for five straight weekly losses and crypto stabilizing. Plus, shares of Cisco are under
0: pressure this morning. This despite high pandemic demand for its products, the company delivered a cooler than expected forecast. Jim just stuck his tongue out at that. And it's electric. It's Ford betting on battery power, unveiling a new fully electric version of the most popular pickup truck in America. Carl.
1: Interesting, guys, to listen to uh, Jim Farley talk about those supply chain squeezes, Jim, which you talked about with Chuck Robbins on Mad last night. And it sounds like some of these big players are starting to use their heft and weight to to pressure their suppliers.
2: I I think that's a great call. Uh, One thing that Chuck Robbins, CEO of Cisco, said last night was that he realized this is going to be a tough quarter. This is going to be the quarter where supply chain people did their absolute best. Uh, He's now saying it's not necessarily the trough, but he was saying 2022 uh, could be a a trouble to get chips. And last night he really said really just 2021. I cannot believe how bold Farley was. Just so bold. Are you changing the subject from Cisco already? What? You're changing the subject from Cisco already? Well, they both talked about supply chain problems and – Farley was talking about this being the trough. So this is quite an optimistic view. David, if you can get the trough for the trip, a chip shortage, and a lot of that is that the plant in Japan that went back online, right. then you're going to see much better numbers from some of the companies where numbers were taken down, believing that there would be a chip shortage that would last all year. Yeah, extended perhaps even into next year. Right, but Chuck didn't say that last You kind night. of vindicated as well that you thought the, the, the bottom was coming. I think they're troughing, and I felt that to some degree because... The companies, Carl, the companies themselves are not static. We'll have applied materials coming up. But you're going to hear that they'll be able to produce enough machines that will therefore make enough chips. I think the shortage is coming to an end this quarter.
1: Wow. And and in light of what we've already talked about the last few days with lumber, Jim, oil is on track for the worst week since March, uh, down four percent. We're in the back into the low 60s. I assume you think that's a good thing, right? That that some of these squeezes are going to end up potentially proving Powell right.
2: I don't think it's a good thing. I think it's a great thing, Carl. I think the collapse in lumber indicates exactly how thinly traded that market was. It's still not where the home builders wanted, obviously, uh, but it did impact, believe it or not, Home Depot's earnings. Uh, I do see a lot of different, it's just a trickle, but each day, copper a little bit weaker. Now, I happen to have Dr. Mark Bristow on tonight, uh, formerly of Randgold, David, now Barrick. Yes. They are producing full out copper, which is going, you know, David, copper is a byproduct of gold. So I think copper can come down. I don't think the Freeport people, you
0: interviewed Freeport. Yes, we had Richard Ekerson on with us a couple of weeks ago at this point. Well, he was did, very enthusiastic. Well, Part, I'd like to know uh, if he's
2: less enthusiastic. I don't
0: know. I haven't talked to him. 10% him decline. The there has been a 10% decline, although longer term, it wasn't super cycle they're talking about. It was just consistent demand as a result of the EV. additional demand from EV, EV. Uh, copper use so often in the batteries, for example. No, I, look, I, there has been no substitute. And even, you know, uh, your buddy. Which buddy? Oh, don't even start. Really? Yes. My buddy, the man you've interviewed twenty times. Yes. Okay. And I interviewed once. Got it. Quantumscape is what We're he's talking about. We're talking about quantum scape. Quantumscape, yeah, there it
2: QuantumScape is. indicates that there is no good substitute yet mm-hmm. for copper. And that's a problem, David, because Jagdeep, who is Jagdeep Singh, who is was a very thoughtful man, is saying, Look, there's just a lot of copper being used. So that's the one the one flaw in, in the ointment, uh, Carl, Carlos is, is that there's no substitute. For copper, I I talked to the fourth largest waste company last night. People are going to the back to the to to the uh, car. They're going back to landfills and pick out the copper. That was something that happened during the last peak in copper. That's why copper is so vulnerable. You've got Freeport expanding. You've got the gold companies expanding and you've got the copper pickers going to the landfills. So I think there's a a developing top in copper despite EV. Hmm.
1: Meanwhile, Jim, uh, we're still, as we said At the top, uh, dealing with the Bitcoin volatility. Ah. I know you noticed this note out of Deutsche uh, this morning, which uh, where they basically said uh, that Bitcoin has gone from trendy to tacky in the pace of a few weeks. They say it happens in fashion all the time. Uh, And in their view, uh, it's an example of how you can quickly become passe. Now, Deutsche has been relatively bearish on Bitcoin for a while, Jim. But this was an interesting note.
2: I love that note. It went basically from uh, David, you'll recognize this. From Ralph Lauren to, to TJX. Okay. It really did. Yes, and, they do. And that, to me, is a sign of the times. I mean, I know that yesterday there was a vaunted rearguard action to move Bitcoin back up because the people who are so invested in Bitcoin can't have it be down 30% a day. Because, David, that spoils the narrative. It does. Well, it worked because it did move
0: up during the course right. of the day. And as we can see, it is poised for a gain at uh, today, or it is gaining already today.
2: But, well. I, you know, I had someone at my bar last night talk about being a having to have to take Bitcoin back 100 to 1, got 101 leverage. Okay. I think that sounds almost like systemic risk, David, when you can borrow 100 to 1. That's pretty high leverage. Yeah. Although in currencies, typically you can do that as well. Right. And I, I
0: want to know whether it's a the currency. currencies don't move right. 20% a day. Well, like I think the there, dollar moved,
2: uh, I don't even know, what, a quarter percent in a day. I, have, well, I mean, the, there's, percent, You yesterday day, right? brought up, David, the uh, Chinese Uh, Cutting it off. I've got more people telling me that the colonial pipeline ransomware has stepped up our government's influence in trying to figure out Charlie Munger like what's really going on with this currency. So maybe the scrutiny of governments, David, is uh, is hurting the currency or the asset or the.
0: Well, certainly the Chinese scrutiny and their desire to potentially develop their own digital currency that that they might mandate as what you have to use there would be a blow. Um, as they continue to crack down in various areas, not to mention, of course, even on some executives and the like sure You saw the ByteDance
2: CEO. Yeah. How do you
0: like that? That was down. just. Yeah. Unexpected in some way.
2: Thirty eight years old. Yeah. Carl, we have to start. The PRC does things that are unlike almost every other government. Uh, they are in charge of CEOs. They do, I think they're on the compensation committee. They're everywhere. The PRC. But that's because it's a communist dictatorship. Now, Eunice, you would just say that right now that the term communist dictatorship they they put a button down, they hold a button down, Carl. They don't want to hear they, the Chinese to hear that phrase.
1: Yeah. No, they had obviously uh, very strict things to say about cryptocurrencies, not really a currency at all in their view. But I wonder, Jim, when you assemble all of those bear cases, uh, ESG concerns, uh, ransomware uh, leading to regulation here at the States, the Chinese obviously hate it. What is the main concern if you had to choose one?
2: Uh, I think the main concern is how hidden it is. Uh, Now, I know uh, blockchain is terrific in giving it the power of being hidden, but Carl, the lack of regulation is causing the IRS to be unsure. You have to check off a box of whether you did Bitcoin. Uh, I think Gary Gensler's got so much on his plate. Who knows? I mean, so much. David, you know, this thing, it's, this is not a meme, David. This is a major business. And a lot of these entities are paying 6% uh, interest if you hold Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. 6%. Now, how are they able to afford that? Isn't that almost like Glenn Fed... Remember the old days of Glenn Fed? I mean, they're Yeah. No, they're, you're getting. I'm getting six, five, six percent on my holding my Bitcoin. I get earn. I earn interest on it. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Nirvana. I, listen, the SEC,
0: to your point, has got a lot on its plate. Gensler looking at SPACs, as we know, looking right. at cryptocurrency, uh, still examining sort of the GameStop scenario and right. what happened there. There's no shortage of things for him, but he, thankfully he is thought of as a very rigorous fellow. Right. But, you know, Carl,
2: they're kind of overwhelmed. I mean, the the previous uh, yeah, Lazy Fair... Like guy can do all that. You need a lot of staff. He needs staff. Yeah. But the Lazy Fair administration that was previous allowed a lot of things to go on that I think that uh, Gensler has to really hurry up on. Because when we see yesterday this uh, crypto down, we see Bitcoin down 30 percent, then up 30 percent. What happens if there's a giant hedge fund, not unlike... David, you know, Archegas, what, what if there's a fund of $100 billion that was fooling around with that and uh, all the different banks didn't know about it, particularly, say, Deutsche Bank? Credit Suisse may not have known about it. Listen, that would be a scary scenario,
0: particularly if they were levered to that extent. Although, again, is it systemic? Very no. often, no, no, not the case. Why are right? you, no, why are you well, so they confident? Have to be, I'm not, but they have to be connected. They have to be really, it has to be deep interconnections, right? So it's all just... A long-term capital, I guess, to right. take you back to... A long time ago. 1998.
2: Well, anyway, Carl, I just think that when I saw what happened yesterday, I I found it a little unnerving, uh, particularly because this complex of the Woodstock, okay, because that's Tesla, Musk, who now turns out to be maybe anti-crypto for all we can tell. And then uh, uh, Ethereum, all the different uh, uh, Dogecoin, which is, of course, just a farce. And then the next thing you know, it spilled into the S&P. And once we've kind of got a handle on it, when Bitcoin came back, the Nasdaq came back. I don't want to see all these uh, interrelated, yep. Carl. That's frightening. I mean, there's real companies in the Nasdaq. I mean, companies like Microsoft, whose stock was well, impacted so that's by doors, because, Dogecoin.
1: Yeah, because we did have some Fed officials yesterday. might have been Bullard. I'm not sure. Uh, say they didn't find crypto as uh, as systemic, as you put it. And yet, futures certainly futures, but overall market uh, price action, Jim, kind of tracks crypto. Yes, so it does. So are they wrong?
2: You know, look, I, I think Buller. I mean, Buller and I have come to terms. Remember the period, David, where oh, I was yeah, somewhat that's critical right. during the. Yes, that's that was know, a number of years ago. Yeah, that was yeah, his you, serious XM interview you on made a Friday. Fun of him a lot. No, I ended that, David. I ended that. I made peace. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I did. I became ten bears. I came in peace. I appreciate that, uh, but. It's outlaw Josie, but well, you wouldn't know that anyway. I mean, I know. Uh, but, a little but, bit. but Carl, there's no doubt in my mind that when I saw first AMD announced its four billion dollar buyback and no one cared. OK, and then the price of Bitcoin started coming back and suddenly people were buying AMD. I mean, what is this?
0: Well, we were talking about that yesterday, Jim, <laughs> what? which is the connection between crypto and the broader market. But that's the same It is. It's insane. Are you OK? Might be.
2: But you're not going to deny that there isn't one no just the opposite. I'm saying it's tr- that it that bitcoin is your forward it even you know, moved oil oil i mean uh, what why are we even focused on the things so, like the fundamentals david i mean what do they have to do with anything if, if bitcoin's thirty percent increase, you know when you oh well, here's one david I, I, go back to uh, arithmetic and and geometry. What happens when you go down thirty-one percent and then you go back up thirty percent? Are you even? No, you're not. There you go. You I rest my case. Not. not even close. I rest my case. A hundred down to yeah. Carl,
0: yesterday was a back a day.
2: Thirty percent. Yeah, you're not. And you know what? Today's keying on Carl, the fact that Virgin Galactic is going to be able to launch its whatever exactly when it said it could do it, as opposed to delaying it. I mean, Carl, why? Yeah. Why are we? I mean, you know, if you're, let's say you're running Cisco, you're Chuck Robbins, are you, like, shocked that the giant company is not, it's not really as important as what happens with Ethereum? How did that happen, Carl?
1: I yeah, think- Jim, uh, I have, I, no, yeah, we totally hear you. It's, um... I'm just looking at some of these other uh, headlines that are flowing in, Jim. Um, one, I mean, just to talk to your point about overall fundamentals: Google opening a physical retail store in New York City. Uh, David, one more, uh, one more point Look, that kind of leads to s- the city's slow recovery. Sell- it is. It they're
2: is. not selling it's Waymo. Recovery. What are they okay, selling much? in that store? Not Waymo. They? It's like they're selling Waymo. Stop. Things Android. What is it? It's Chrome. <laughs> they're just selling you browser. I think what they're what selling they? you a non fungible token of the desk of Ruth Porat. <laughs> Oh, oh, I like CFO. that. Does she even
0: have a desk? Um, I a non-fungible something from because you know they all move around a lot. Carl, uh, yeah, that's good to hear. Any any retail uh, that is opening in New York is all good. We're happy to hear it. We're happy to go visit, mask or no mask. So that's great. I have no idea what will be in the Google Store, but I look forward to finding out.
1: Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, guys, got some upgrades of uh, Chipotle. Walmart got a double upgrade of Viacom today, which we'll talk about. Uh, biggest management shakeup at Morgan Stanley in about a decade or so. And futures, as we said, uh, leading into the green on this Thursday. Don't go away.
3: The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM? it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with p a leading global asset manager.
1: Last night, Ford officially unveils the new electric F-150 Lightning pickup. Uh, pricing between 40K and 90K, powered by two electric motors and a battery pack instead of a traditional gas engine. The two battery options have targeted ranges of anywhere between 230 or 300 miles. And here's what Jim Farley said about the truck this morning on Squawk.
2: We have 20,000 orders already, 12 hours after the reveal. So the response has been great. We offer a hybrid F 150. Uh, a a turbocharged EcoBoost F-150. We have diesel super duties, and we now have the Lightning. You know, we don't know what customers are going to choose. This is America's best-selling vehicle, so if there's one vehicle that's going to give us an indication of whether these EVs are going to take off, it'll be this Lightning. And as I said, with 20,000 orders already, we're off to the races.
1: Uh, So far this morning, Jim, uh, the Verge uh, their initial impression or that the truck is uh, stunning in their words. And then uh, Bill Ford uh, tells the Times, look, we're not electrifying our fringe brands. These are our core brands. And they're using that to sort of use as evidence in their commitment to electrification. This is what people are talking about.
2: They're talking about Farley. You know what Farley is when you listen to him? He is so interesting. You know, they used to call him Car Car. That's his middle name. Jim Jim Car, Car Farley. Got it. And Carl, his love. For vehicles is so exciting. It's so unusual to me. Mary Barra loves cars and she loves vehicles and and Farley loves it. I mean, I almost feel like that we're going to start hearing about Farley versus Musk in a very serious way. Now, when he was on Mad Money, he talked about that. But, you know, I think your Cybertruck in Austin, David, I am not kidding. Your Cybertruck in Austin is going to get a real run from the money from Jimmy Carcar. Cybertruck
0: in Austin being the Tesla yes. car that you're talking about. Of course, Musk has moved a lot of his life to Austin. Right, he, hasn't but, a, he hasn't bought a house there yet. No, so but does, Carcar's focused, house focused on house, he's focused friends,
2: on uh, on cars. Musk has many different things. Musk he's has got on. a lot of different interests. Did you hear him rip through? You know, we've got the Super Duty so We've got a, and then yeah. he's talking torque today. I mean, I think the previous guy who was a very good cabinet maker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think you knew what's the matter. I don't think you knew what torque was. Former CEO who was formerly we the came CEO of steel steel case. Case And you really just... The, God, looked, the guy knew cabinets better than anybody in America. But I do... Bu- cabinets with wheels. Well, there's flying cars are on the tape again today. But I just think, Carl, it is wondrous to hear the story about him telling the president to floor it. I mean, isn't it great to hear a guy from Detroit actually into it?
1: <laughs> it's so exciting. Uh, Jim, the... Of course, the big question is whether or not uh, the traditional pickup market has an overlap with what would be an EV buyer. And I wonder how how difficult that's going to be from a marketing standpoint to, to convince some of these longtime F-150 fans to give EV a try. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a commitment.
2: I think it's going to be, uh, and I've told this to Jim, who's a tremendous amount of fun, that it's going to be a whole new group of people who come in. I don't think it's going to necessarily be the shift, although it can be good for small to medium-sized business, but only if they do a, a small circle, as Phil LeBeau always reminds us, that it doesn't have the big range. But I think there'll be people who have never thought about buying a truck. David, they are going to be buying this truck with the boot in the front, with the excitement. David? This is a whole new group of people being introduced to
0: the F-150. Okay, we'll see if that happens. How to keep an eye on that water, water usage uh, cutback in Taiwan when it comes to this chip question, Jim.
2: Would have been the drought
0: there is pretty, pretty significant. I would have, it would have been great if you just said, yeah, Farley's pretty Sorry, cool. I needed to go to you chips. You had to go. Now I need to go to Carl.
1: Huh? Carl? Farley's. Well, you don't you don't need to do anything, but uh, we will take a break. Uh, we'll get later this morning on Tech Check. Morgan Stanley's Adam Jonas will talk about Ford's new electric F-150 Tesla and what it means to the broader market. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Don't go anywhere.
0: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending
3: deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So. Brainstorm got too big. Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Writers block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
0: Let's get to a mad dash. You mentioned Ralph Lauren earlier
2: briefly, and now you want to give it a little more time. You see these stocks, and they're, they're down in pre-trading. And I say, give me a break, all right? Patrice LeVay has delivered again. I mean, he's done ever since he got you know he got rid of Club Monaco, which I kind of thought was a good brand, but it's not as upscale as Ralph Lauren. They're going to be moving very aggressively into the home at a higher price point than RH David, and they're just the core clothing business is on fire. It's done a really fantastic job. Reinstate the dividend, which I think is important. And you know what? They've accelerated digital. Uh, They have a terrific portfolio of lifestyle goods and balance sheet is terrific. Direct to consumer on fire. I just think that this is the kind of thing that's been happening in corporate America. These retailers and a lot of the stocks are up. The stocks... Uh, ran ahead of the good news, which is why Ralph Lauren's down this much. But people are going to buy Ralph. When Ralph Lauren's down about five and a half percent, people are going to buy it today. They'll buy it around 125. And do you
0: believe that this theme that at least we're hearing from some analysts in, in retail, that apparel is going to
2: be quite strong? That's really the point. I'm glad you brought it up. People want to look better than they did before the pandemic. And Ralph Lauren is a way to show. That, they, that that is really a major theme. It's not back to the old days. It's back to better looking stuff. Something to monitor, given the fact that people what are you looking at? It darn, I'm looking why do you, you keep looking up and down on my suit? I'm trying to figure out if you're looking any better. And I, just I, think I this mean, is, it's Brioni. What, but count. This is what, count. what color is that? David, I got it in Milan. The last day oh. of February is the day that they burn all the suits so they don't get in the channel. Half price.
0: I can't even believe they burned the suits. They I mean, burned. I mean, you've told me that, and obviously, uh, well,
2: it's true. This is a good-looking suit. David. It is. It's, it's very from me. Very nice-looking suit. Thank oh, you. Yeah. It's not Perfect. a Ralph Lauren. I have a 15-year-old Ralph Lauren that I wore in February. You didn't say a thing. No. P- purple label.
0: I won't say anything about those shoes either. We got an opening bell though coming right up.
1: Squarespace looking to rebound a day after a tough Wall Street debut. The website building and hosting company still trading below the reference price of 50. Meantime, Jim, today we have Oatly going public, pricing at 17, uh, valuing the oat milk maker at $10 billion. <laughs> Interesting debate this morning with uh, the founder about the definition of milk.
2: Def- def- yeah, yeah. Uh- I think this is ridiculous. Okay, so White Wave, maybe David remembers this. <laughs> Dean Foods spun off White Wave. Yep. Remember, White Wave, uh, Denon, in, in 2017 paid $12.5 for it. It has 10 times the revenues of this Oatly. Uh, and I just say, David, this is more of the absurdity that we find, where bankers come up with prices, and it's based off of the b- previous rounds, and people buy it, and then they end up a year from now with Oatly all over their face. <laughs> People like putting it in their coffee. I had it this morning just to see, just to see how different it was. And it was fine. But the regular milk business sticks. David, I am not kidding. White Wave was, OK, that's soy. I remember that. Um, and, and that went at Denome, a real company. Yes. Do you think Denome would pay for uh, $10 billion for this thing? No. No, but the public will. Why? It's got a good story. No, because they're told. They're told to? They're told to. They're told to. Well,
0: that doesn't last long then, Jim, if you're correct. Thank you. That's all I had to say. That's all
2: I had to say. You've been very tough on me, (laughs) Wix.
0: He's he's kidding.
2: Look, Carl, one of the things that's happened is, is, look at Squarespace. There's a company called Wix. Every bit as good as those guys. I use Wix. Do we really need Squarespace? I don't know. I mean, we have Space, which is Virgin Galactic, and we have Square, which is a very good company. You put them together, what do you got? A company that's not as good as Wix.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no you were you were skeptical yesterday, Jim, uh, and certainly that was borne out in the first day of trade. We'll see what happens uh, today and, and what might be a better tape. We'll see. There's the opening bell. Big Board celebrating the IPO, uh, Procore Technologies, a construction software provider. And as we said at the Nasdaq, also celebrating its IPO is Oat Milk Maker Oatly. Jim, another uh, consumer brand relatively new is going to be Petco. I know it's right. close to your heart. Um 17 cents beats nine. They raise the guide. They add a million customers in Q1.
2: Right. I, I think that the issue here, and we'll, we'll speak to them, of course, is that it's Chewy. Uh, Chewy has that tremendous renewal uh, annuity form of of. Profit basically, where they send it to you, send it, send it to you in automatic. And what happens, I know David has a dog, is that, you know, David, when you get a dog, you don't want to have to constantly refresh and get more food. It just comes to you with Chewy. So the, even though the, the quarter looked like a blowout, I think people are still prepared, you know, really starting to say, you know what, Chewy's got it all over them. I think that's wrong. I think they have other things, they're a healthcare company. But just beware that when you blow the numbers out and the stock doesn't go up, it's because people are saying, You know what? I already have my pet food company, and the pet food company is named Chewy. And by the way, David, founded by none other than Ryan Cohen. Ryan GameStop Cohen. Yes, Ryan Savior Cohen. By the way, Take-Two, Strauss-Elnick, not sure about the business model of GameStop these days, since almost all games are being delivered digitally.
0: Digitally, yes. Well, we've been wondering about that business model for some time, right. although you've discussed many ways you believe they could transform themselves.
2: Well, Andrew Paperhands Sorkin today he talked about going to the moon. Carl, I think that we're at that moment where we're, che- we're questioning meme stocks. We're questioning crypto. We're questioning uh, uh, Woodstock. We're beginning to question things that worked very well for the last 14 months. Instead, we're going back to Cleveland Cliffs. So I don't know, Carl. Mm-hmm. The, Cleveland Cliffs is not as, much as exciting as watching Adam Aaron furiously sell stock to the meme people. But, you know, they sold stock, too. Carl, are we past the joke stage? Are we back to actually things like fundamentals and stuff like that, like AMD buying back stock? Or are we going to just stay with Ripple? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, we're going to find out, Jim. I mean, certainly these 30, 40 percent corrections, uh, as you say, have, have gotten people asking more serious questions. You know, we haven't gotten to, speaking of things like fundamentals in the consumer, gotten to Kohl's. Uh, they beat. They raised the guide. 104 crushes four cents. Um, and I guess it's just another string of, uh, of, uh, of evidence points in retail this week.
2: Look, I, the stock is down, but this stock has been relentlessly going up. Relentlessly. And I know in the 30s I said, you know what, I can't fight it anymore. I think Coles is coming back. It's interesting, by the way, Coles has got brands like CHAPS, which is you know a licensed brand. So Dave, when you go to Coles, I mean they're gonna have the gold toast socks, but they don't have the first rank Ralph Lauren. Ralph Lauren doesn't sell into that channel. Mm-hmm. So it's important. Nike does. Nike stock has been a complete dog. Ever since we started talking about the the People's Republic of China and whether Nike's going to have to play its hand in terms of showing, like it did uh, with with Kaepernick, that oppression is not the way Nike plays. Right.
0: It's also isn't it the subject of that uh, of that conservative ad campaign about woke corporations? Isn't that one of the names they're going after? Well, it's 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 a very interesting time, as we've pointed out many times over this last well. Year more than year, you know period of time where uh, corporations are choosing to engage in, well, in issues that they typically might not have but are under pressure to do so. I think, by their customers, by right. their employees, the and customers. also by certain parts of their shareholder the base.
2: Customers, yeah, who are always right. They customers
4: are asking right. questions,
0: and the employees are very important here in, in names like this and many others in terms of what the company, what the CEO will choose to do. You know what, and how what's they the number one
2: customer satisfa- uh, employee satisfaction company in the country? I don't know. What is it? It's Cisco. Who takes, by the way, Chuck Robbins quietly takes very powerful stands on issues.
0: Okay. But meanwhile, if I'm a shareholder, am I happy? am sure. Am that. I
2: happy with Cisco? Well, you ought to buy the stock and wake up and smell the coffee. The, the stock's or- up 13% this year. So it's, had a,
0: it's had a pretty nice run, certainly far ahead of... The, uh, well, not far, but ahead of the S and P's 10 percent move so far this year.
2: People didn't know. I mean, they called it disappointing. Now it's finally. It was down three and a half, Carl. It was ridiculous. disappointing. This is this stock trades on orders. I've been following uh, Cisco since '93, and whenever the orders go up, that's when John Woodruff days before Chambers. Whenever orders go up like the way they did, uh, and you talk about service provider orders up 17, you buy Cisco, you don't sell it. So people are starting to come to their senses and they're buying the stock. And David, it's not too late to get in. That was a good quarter, not a bad quarter. They admitted they had supply chain problems. So did uh, Farley. Right now, you say you, you. And who was Farley's cousin? Uh,
0: apparently, the great departed comedian. Yes, Chris Farley. Yeah, um, Carl. I did want to get to some news this morning on the rails. That battle for uh, for uh, Kansas City Southern. Uh, it does appear uh, Canadian National much closer to at least getting its offer um, signed up, uh, and that is because uh, Canadian Pacific chose not to raise. It had until later today to do so. This morning they put a press release out, Canadian Pacific, telling us why they're not going to raise and raising all sorts of questions that they continue to about whether or not the deal that conceivably KSU will, will enter into could ever get actual approval from the STB uh, and so forth. They say the fact that the STB chose to affirmatively express these views in a May 17th decision. And here they're referring to the fact that they didn't give them, grant them yet Approval for a voting trust, which I've tried to explain is the most important component here because they said they wanted an actual merger agreement. But they say it's more than that. It's also uh, it sends a clear signal on the STB stance that that should see and move forward with renewing its motion for approval to use a voting trust. Um, Any potential uh, available procedural grounds, you see it right there, um, of incompleteness also sends that signal. You can follow me. What do we expect tomorrow morning? Uh, based on what I'm at least hearing at this point, they are expected to sign up the Canadian national deal, Jim. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and and then we'll see if they take it from there. They'll get a billion dollars, potentially, if they don't get that voting trust. And they can go their own way if they want to do so afterwards and come back to CP. So there you can see the response in the marketplace so far. Canadian Pacific shareholders at least um, well, that's sort of related well, rail to, volumes to, to market year, moves and, year, and, and, and people over, selling the stock running over twenty
2: percent. Yeah, so you want to get that deal done. You want to get it done quickly. Well, and, quick is not going to be the case, but shareholders are protected if they get the voting. You votes. know that Biden is not as aggressive as, uh, as Trump was in terms of keeping building cars down in uh, in Mexico which is why KSU is such a valuable property. If you restart the big plants, and I'm talking about plants that make millions of cars, David, then you're going to be able to make it so Kansas City Southern's worth a lot more now than it was under Trump. Carl, this is something worth watching. This is a brilliant move by, by whoever gets it because it's taking advantage of the fact that Trump mm-hmm. is no longer president.
1: Uh, you're definitely right about the, the Mexico production, Jim. Uh, it's raised hackles among those who are still uh, looking for evidence that the United States is going to be building American, uh, something that Ford is touting in the production of the Lightning, but certainly not every model. Uh, Jim, it's definitely a day for the chips, uh, which continue to be the the strength of the NASDAQ 100. I know you noticed uh, Key assumes NVIDIA at overweight 700, although they do trim their Intel target.
2: Yeah, now NVIDIA has been going down because they do have this Very small. And I emphasize very small part of their business, which provides cards to Ethereum miners. So the fact that this thing is trading off of Ethereum is just nonsensical. And when they report, you won't even notice the line. David, though, we are still waiting for something involving arm holdings.
0: Well, everything we've heard so far indicates they're going to have a hard time getting U.K. Right, approval, it's an, it's an and we overhang. don't really know much about in terms of China and Samsung. Why can't they happen?
2: just license a lot of arm stuff? I mean, because they still are saying that they're confident. They, they do right? something, it I know, video. but that's going to be an overhang for otherwise great story. I need intel, David. Is there a possibility that an AMD could close the Xilinx deal earlier? And that's why Dr. Lisa Su may have announced a $4 billion buyback? I don't know. I, I guess you're saying it means that
0: maybe that is possible.
2: It wasn't rhetorical.
0: It wasn't? You're actually asking the question. I don't have the There's, answer. No? Did you see ask this? it in
2: the form of a question? Uh,
0: <laughs> what is what is Intel? And the the actual that's the correct response. And Intel the would be uh, a place where shareholders recently rejected the CEO's charge. Well, the
2: offensive is over. I mean, how long can a guy who is well behind, maybe two years behind AMD, claim that he's ahead of AMD? And I like Pat. I love Pat. At Pia. We're talking about Pat Gelsinger, Carl, when he was at VMware. But honestly, I mean, Intel is so far behind in terms of the roadmap that Lisa has. Remember, it started with Rome. OK, David. Yeah. And then it went to, went to, to Naples and now it's Milan going to Genoa. He's still at Rome. And Rome was not built in a day. It wasn't. Uh, these, by the way, these rejections
0: of, of the compensation by shareholders are non-binding. So the board takes and say, oh, thank you for your interest. Okay, we're still paying what we want to pay, and that obviously was the case at a number of companies, including ones we know well: AT and T, AT and T, Starbucks, and General Electric. I think I saw AT and T was up today. AT and T is up. Is it making a comeback? Is up a bit. Um, it's making a comeback, David. Yeah, it's up. It's up. nineteen cents. AT and T is up nineteen cents. Although comeback, Rooney McFaddy. down about nine percent for the week. We can take a look actually at Discovery and AT and T The AT&T dividend shares, just the yield, David, this is so great here. Deal. The yield gets bigger. Oh, my God. He's back to that. I know. Well, it does. That's what people bought yeah. it for. They didn't buy it. The yield right now like is 7%, it, but it, it will fall once it. the deal closes, which is quite some time from now to yeah. roughly 40 to 43%. The payout will be of a 20 billion roughly free cash flow estimate from AT&T.
2: David, do you remember
0: the the stock has T- not done well this week. It's responded very poorly to the deal at this point in part. Recalibrating because of the dividend cut that you've yeah. mentioned many times. I think I've, also I, hasn't I've, I've done particularly I've spoken well, my piece
2: on, on the destruction of value there and how poorly Randall Stevenson did, and, and, and how I felt like I was had right. by, by uh, 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 yes, you've mentioned by Stanky. Mentioned. I've really said my piece about you how horrible this is and how it's really bad for corporate America. And it just shows you what a laughing stock. People who make $50 million. I've really said it all. I don't know if there's more to say other than that there should be a clawback and it's really ridiculous and individuals are really angry about it and nervous. I, I, you know what? I think we leave it at that. Although well, you
0: defended Culp's uh, pay when they moved the baseline. Culp's stock, stock price. doubled from 6 to they 12 moved, Yeah, but they moved him down from what was $12 as his baseline to six sixty-seven. Well, there it is. Yeah, that was, and that Leslie Picker, by the way, did a very good story on this a couple weeks ago when it happened. Well, that, but,
2: that wasn't right. But I, um, but long, I mean, happy that shareholders. created like 100 million bucks right
0: out of the gate for him. Thank you very much. They want to keep Culp for well, a longer he, period of time. He was not by exactly the way,
2: dealt a great
0: hand. Discovery also gave David Zaslav well, uh, 14.8 million stock options on Sunday, the day before. Obviously, we got the announcement of the big deal. And Mr. Zaslav. And finally, guys, on this whole subject, I did want to mention uh, Viacom. Uh, Carl, you'd mentioned it earlier. They got that double upgrade from Jessica, Jessica Reif uh, over at uh, Merrill or B of A. Uh, She uh, basically it's what we were discussing yesterday in part, you know, and I reported this. Remember, there is a willingness on the part of Viacom's uh, control shareholder to listen if there were any offers, any potential sales, she said, would require approval, of course, of that control shareholder. That is in the form of Sherry Redstone and National Amusements. In the past, she signaled herself to be an unwilling seller, but yeah. market dynamics could increase pressure. What change to consider an the offer? Scale issue? Yeah, of course, of course. Scale, scale, scale. Doesn't scale. mean you know. We'll see. We'll Following it closely, we'll see what develops. Well, there. for but,
2: Jessica to double to do a double d- upgrade, it's a double upgrade ahead of her conference. Not
0: to be confused with a double reverse Morris trust, which is what no. our parent company was trying to figure out no. back in
2: to do for to to get Warner if it right or to resizing of a dividend, which does not mean double; it means half. It's almost resize time. You know, know, that's what they're going to do in the NFL during Sunday Night Football. It's almost resize time. Can you say the word fixated?
0: Fixated?
2: Well, yeah, I'm going to cut that and resize. That's half. Resize resize a loaf is better than none, David. Go ahead, Carl, sir.
1: (laughs) No, guys, uh, it's been a busy day for data as well. We got claims, Philly Fed, LEI is on the way. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick. Morning, Carl. Looks to be the ninth session
4: that Treasury yields for 10 year maturity look to be closing in the 160s, getting very comfortable in that zone. And when you really consider uh, the texture of how 174 is the high post covid yield closed, you can see that we're not giving much back, even though we're kind of trading in place. And if you look at an intraday of 10s, we slid right into the 830 claims data and it was largely as expected except for continuing claims, of course, continues to move slightly in the wrong direction. But it seems though the market was well prepared for that. Uh, And if you look at a two-day chart, all the action yesterday was right around Fed time, of course, when the minutes uh, posted up. And the main reason for that is because the market has some issues with the kind of stimulus sell-by date of the Federal Reserve. And if you look at what's going on in Boons, here's a two-day chart. So yesterday, their high yield was minus seven. Today, their high yield is minus nine. Open the chart up to May of 2019. The current high yield close going all the way back to May of 2019 is minus 10. So it looks like it's guns hot for a fresh two-year-plus high yield close in Boone land. And finally, let's take a very close look at what is going on with the dollar versus the Dow Jones Industrial Average as just sort of a proxy for all the stimulus and the policies that have gone into a post-COVID try to firm up the equity markets. And in the beginning, of course, it was highly warranted. But look at what goes on there. It seems though, once the Dow got its sea legs back, the dollar lost theirs why because many of the policies that are holding equities in a higher position have outlived their usefulness with regard to what it's doing to the dollar and long-term
1: debt issues carl jim david back to you all right thank you very much still to come this morning as we mentioned shares of petco taking a bit of a hit today still up 35 percent since the january ipo we'll talk the earnings and the post-pandemic outlook with the ceo in a few moments in the meantime. A bit of a recovery for the Nasdaq, up almost 1 percent. We're back in a minute. We mentioned oil's on track for the worst month since uh, March, down 4 percent. And sure enough, Chevron leads the Dow lower for the week so far, followed by Cisco, Cat, Goldman and Verizon. There's a lot more squawk on the street coming up in a moment. Don't go away.
2: Let's talk Petco. Symbol wolf. I always like that. They comped up 28 percent. Remember, a lot of companies are doing really well versus last year, but they raised the forecast. Uh, The shares are under pressure in early trading. I wouldn't take that as a sign of anything other than almost all the retailers are down today off of early trading. So let's go to the CEO, Ron Coughlin, and find out what's really going on. Ron, welcome back to Walk on the Street. Good to see you.
5: Morning, Jim. Great to
2: see you. Okay, so, Ron, let's talk about the wholesale shift during the pandemic. People buying pets like never before. I always hate that sound. Let's say adopting pets and what it has meant for your growth. A- and talk about the organic growth that you have, because I think that's what we're all measuring these retailers by right now.
5: Yeah, we, we, we like focusing on adoption. As you know, we're trying to eliminate euthanasia. Um, there were 11 million new pets in 2020, and forecasters continually are taking up their forecast for 2021 adoptions have been up, breeders are on backlog, et cetera. And what we like to say is you might get a Peloton once, you might you know, redo your garage once, but once you have a new furry friend, uh, they're going to need to be fed, they're going to be groomed, they're going to need to be vaccinated for a decade or more. We, cur- we call it the furry annuity. Uh, and uh, on our part, we picked up uh, 1.2 million cust- new customers in Q1 on the back of a million in each Q4 and Q3, and that's really going to power us going forward.
2: Okay, so uh, once you have a furry friend, you tend to get another furry friend, and the people who buy <laughs> furry, uh, people who are adopting furry friends tend to get younger and younger. Correct.
5: Well, it's amazing how many two, three, four, five, and even six pet households have happened during COVID. Uh, and you're exactly right. Actually, um, it, in the, when you look back on 2020, a lot of those new pets were uh, taken by millennials and Gen Zers. And guess what? Those millennials and Gen Zers spent a lot more on their pets. So that's a tailwind on spend per pet. So not only do you have 11 million new pets in 2020, but you have a tailwind on spend per pet, which is going to propel the category. And from our standpoint, our spend per pet is up. Our retention is up. So all the fundamentals on the consumer side of our house are very, very strong. OK, so,
2: Ron, there's two kinds of spends on pet. There is the annuity spend that Chewy has on food. Now, you know, that I think the more important annuity, which is sadly pets get sick. And they can't tell you they're sick. One of the things that you and I both know is the tragedy of, a, of an animal that is in incredible pain and we have no idea. So that's why you need vets. How is the healthcare portion of Petco doing?
5: Yeah, so uh, last year, if you look at uh, what happened with COVID, our training and our grooming businesses were impinged upon with COVID regulations. They're back to strong double digit growth. And then we added another 12 vets in uh, the first quarter. We tick our estimate of total new vet hospitals up to 72 for the year, but we supplement that with vet clinics. And we added 200 uh, pet care centers with vet clinics. So we're up to 1200 locations with vet clinics. So between hospitals and our vet clinics, We have the second broadest array of veterinary resources uh, in the United States now
2: with three million new incremental pets. And with the idea that you've had, what, uh, 10 consecutive quarters of growth, how many pet goes can we uh, have in this country?
5: Yeah, so we we did culling over the last three years of any of the locations that aren't aren't profitable. We're very comfortable with our footprint. We even see some expansion in uh, some of the high growth markets, and we just actually announced our hundredth location in Mexico where we're number one and number uh, number one online, number one offline. But the main area where we're focused is increasing throughput per location by adding the vet, adding a just food for dog uh, pantry, and adding a ready um, store in store, which is our premium uh, apparel and uh, supplies line. And when we add that vet to a pet care center, guess what? Our comps on center store- source sales go up between four and six points. So we get the vet revenue, we get the center store lift, and we're helping take care of pets because, as you know, our, our vet hospitals are founded on the idea of affordable vet care. 70% of pets don't get the care they need and we're trying to uh, address that.
2: Well, I, look, I want to thank you uh, as a, a pet owner and obviously a owner of of pets that are otherwise would be euthanized. I know you do a great deal to try to stop that. And it was a good quarter. And I didn't get to mention the free cash flow, which I'm sure the s- skeptics would love that you are getting much more. And it's great to see you, Ron. Thank you for coming on Squawk on the Street. Great to see
5: you. Thank you very much, Jim. Carl, back to you.
1: Hey, Jim, that was great. And you got a lot more to come tonight on Mad.
2: Yeah, we got Brian Moynihan talking about the state of consumer and what he's doing, a uh, little ESG work. This man is committed to doing the right thing in the neighborhoods, most certainly the Aurora. I think he's got the visionary hybrid model of cybersecurity that you need. And Dr. Mark Bristow, because we got to talk about copper and how much. And we also want to talk about the gold. As a, uh, back to being a store, gold's never dropped 31% in an hour and then going back 30, uh, Carl. It's a little steadier than that, frankly, gold. And I've always liked gold. I like crypto. But let's hear what Dr. Mark Bristow has to say, because that company is unbelievably well run.
1: Jim, good stuff. Great hour. We'll yep. see you tonight. Thank you. Usual. Great hour. Good to talk uh, to you. 6 p.m. Uh, Mad Money with uh, Jim Kramer, 6 p.m. Eastern Time.
2: You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's
3: Squawk on the Street.